Oh, it's definitely <laughs> better than Heinlein and Zelazny. I like Zelazny. Fuck off. <laughs> I can only read so many pages of description of uh, some mermaid's green nipples. Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad Podcast, Episode 43, a video games book club and select button guide and podcast. Every month, and we're actually going to be on a monthly schedule now, uh, we play a game either voted on by our listeners or, in this case, handpicked by one of our intrepid explorers. Uh, this time we're playing Radical Dreamers, which is the semi-sequel to Chrono Trigger that is no longer canon and therefore never happened. Uh, we'll be discussing it using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which are, as always, vanity, gun, investigation, and revelation. Uh, I am your esteemed host, Vasilkania, and today I am joined by... I am no code. I picked this game. Let it speed. It le fast. I'm a bachelor. I'm also working on a, on, a, on a... What some call a digital novel. Let me tell you, it's way better than this. Uh, I'm closed. I don't have a lot more to say here. Until gulping down my many feelings of apprehension and vulnerability into this pleasureful ocean, I am Talpa. <laughs> yeah, I will explain that. All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the game we're playing today is called Radical Dreamers. It's a 1996 text game, essentially, on the Super Nintendo, uh, released only for the Satellaview, which is that weird satellite-based game downloading service that was only in Japan. Uh, luckily, somebody dumped the ROM, and in 2003, so 17 years ago, uh, it was translated by the ROM hacking group Demiforce, uh, I guess, Demiforce, but I know nothing about them. I didn't do any research, as always. Uh, so it's essentially a text game, but it's also a dungeon crawler, but it's also a sequel to Chrono Trigger, but it's also also not a sequel to Chrono Trigger, and it's not a prequel to Chrono Cross, but it is. Um, it stars Kid. Is it Serge? Sergey? It's Serge. I think it's supposed to be French. It's supposed to be Sergey, but I just say Serge. Okay, Serge and Matt Magil, 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 Magus, Magus. It's definitely Magil. Magil, <laughs> because because uh, because his real name is revealed to be Gilbert. Megal, okay. <laughs> As they infiltrate Lynx's mansion to steal the frozen flame. And I hope you can hear the, the capitalists. <laughs> um, and just a fair warning about this 24-year-old game. Uh, we're going to spoil it from top to bottom, including secret endings. It only takes about two, two, two and a half hours to get the main ending. So if you want to play this game, just stop the podcast now and play it. Because uh, it's it's... I mean, I would argue that it's worth it, and it's not that much of an investment of time. But if you're in it for the spoilers, then we're just gonna we're gonna drop them all. Um, but no code. I was wondering what made you pick this game. I'm the kind of person who likes Chrono Cross uh, for its plot, which is uh, you know questionable. But we'll we'll, we'll hey, talk me about too. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. I really love Chrono Cross. I'm not that familiar with Chrono Trigger. The fact that Chrono Cross has this like spiritual prequel to it, this like kind of like impressionistic painting of what it would end up becoming uh, is something that like really, really intrigued me. 
the fact that it's like a visual novel on a like niche um like a niche uh, uh like peripheral of the of the, of the SNES really intrigued me and um yeah i just i i i wanted to play this game for a long time and this just seemed like the perfect time to do it and i didn't want to make anyone play urban strike without me so <laughs> uh yeah i was a little sad we didn't do urban strike but then radical dreamers i think was honestly the better choice for me personally because <laughs> i definitely got farther in this game than i would have that so um, yeah there's not as many chunky guitars in this game <laughs> are there any guitars in this game i feel like there's a little hmm I was listening to the soundtrack all day, but I don't remember. So that's me. Anyway, um, I, asked... I I think of this game. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, you're good. I think Go of ahead. this game as like, yeah, like an impressionistic painting of like what Chrono Cross would end up becoming, or a radical dream of the future by Yasunori Mitsuda. <laughs> it is like I I've played a bit of Chrono Cross. We'll get into all this, but. It does seem to be that, an impressionistic dream of it. I like that. Uh, Chrono Cross is an impressionistic painting of a video game. So, I need to like, finish that game at some point. I also need to finish Bot and Kaitos, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving right. on. I asked everybody to play an hour, as always, but how long did you play and how far did you get in this game? Uh, this game was uh, my idea, and I forced everyone to play it, and I got right up to the part where you put the mouth, the, the thing in the mouth. So I, I played it up for about uh, two hours at like a fairly leisurely pace. Um, I played this for nine hours according to the game clock. <laughs> if, if you ever want to know the uh, Bachelor Soft approach to enjoying a video game, it means you spend a lot of time listening to water dripping or menu music while you do fucking anything else other than play the game. So this is a game that's about two and a half hours long, and uh, I took nine hours to beat it. But I beat it. I did beat it. And that's also, yeah, I beat it. I think I spent maybe three, three and a half hours with it. I played through the main scenario, and then I... Uh, got one of the other endings and uh, started my way on a, another one, but didn't finish it. I also played about three hours. I got through the main scenario and one of the other scenarios. I started playing three hours before this podcast started, so everything's very fresh in my mind. Yeah, we had a month to play this, and I think all of us did this. I played about two and a half hours in the past two days. Um, I got to the main ending. I am aware of and have read all of the uh, summaries of the uh, additional endings, but I did not experience any of them for myself, which is a bit of a shame uh, and likely never will because that's how I am. But all right. So we've got the intro. Great. Now we're moving on to the next section, which uh, is always vanity.
Vanity is where we talk about how a game looks, how a game feels, the mouthfeel, the bouquet. Don't say mouthfeel. <laughs> the hand mouthfeel. Um, no. <laughs> so, um, so what did we think? Well, no, I always do this. I say, what did we think? And then I say, well, I'm going to give it a kind of idea of what this game is because I didn't know before I started it. So it is essentially a visual novel. It's text, and then you get choices about doing X, Y, or Z. But it's also a bit of a dungeon crawler. So you are navigating in this semi-labyrinth. There's only a few rooms, but it, it can be a little confusing. Um, so you're also like, you know, choosing, are you going to continue down this hallway or you're going to turn right, that kind of thing. So, but it's not just text. In fact, there are lots and lots of graphics in the game that are usually used as backgrounds, but there's also like monsters that show up and, all, you know, even like interactive, not interactive scenes, but very like motion filled scenes and all sorts of cool special effects. So it's, it's not like anything else I've really ever played. It feels more like the presentation of a text game, but with all of those neat backgrounds. So I, I was very pleased. It's the only thing that I'm aware of like it on the, the Super Nintendo slash Super Famicom. So, but what did we think of the presentation of this game? The text speed is still not fast enough. It's it so fucking yeah. slow. It's oh, so slow. I had I had fast forward on so often during this game just so that the text would like actually show up on screen in time. But 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 it's it's the fast. <laughs> yeah, the game. Yeah, opens. well, the fast is not the fast enough. The fuck off. <laughs> that, that, that is one thing to note about this since it was fan translated, um, which I think it's a pretty damn good fan translation. Um, it, it There are some questions as to what is, I guess, quote unquote original and what is added. At the very beginning of the game, it asks you if you what the text speed should be and then says le slow et le pu. Le normal and le fast, which is just weird. I don't understand the joke. When they say le slow et le pu, it means don't don't go slow. Definitely don't go slow. Gotta go. Gotta go. Le so fast. that's definitely like a translator's note. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> oh, one thing I can say about the translation of this game is it definitely happened after Chrono Cross came out. So I feel like there are there's like an energy that's probably lost in translation. This was made like what three or four years before chrono cross came out and so like the people who are translating this knew its relationship to the thing that came after it so i think there's probably like i couldn't tell you because i can't read japanese and i haven't played this game in japanese but there's probably like kind of an energy missing from it but otherwise they they kind of they capture the characters pretty well i think we, we miss rudy one of the things that stood out for me that like really identifies it as uh, a game that was translated after Chrono Cross is that they gave Kid uh, an I dialect Australian accent that's really terrible, in my opinion. Oi! <laughs> yeah, I will say that that was definitely irritating, and I would have preferred to see that translated as straight text. Gave her a lot of personality, but... It's true to the source. How do we know she? See, we don't know if she's Australian in the in the Japanese version or not because none of us speak Japanese or read it. Fun fact: Fun fact about Chrono Cross: the accents are uh, algorithmically generated. Yeah, yeah, they're just applied to generic dialogue, which is great. Oh my god, that explains so much. Wait, okay, wait. do any of like, us speak like, Japanese? Like a lot. Uh, of, I speak it badly, like really badly. A lot of kids. 
a lot of kids dialogue in in chrono cross is like specifically hers because she's like the deuteragonist so like i don't know how much of her shitty australian accent was like applied algorithmically but like i like to think that it was well i was wondering about that when i first started the game and then i immediately like lost my save and started again and all the party members and that opening thing were different i was like how much text did they write for this game but it makes sense that it's algorithmically applied (laughs) um so yeah, that's it, it's sort of interesting, and I think this will be kind of an investigation bit. But it's sort of interesting the legacy of this being the translation at three or four years because this was two thousand. What did I say? Two thousand three, um, and Chrono Cross was released uh, nineteen ninety nine. So um, yeah, this is definitely post Chrono Cross, even though the game was three years before that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. But I, I actually. Yeah, the text speed was slow. I wish it was faster, but it does have a nice, like, there's a lot of punctuation to the way that people say things. Like, it speeds up and slows down based on what people are saying and how they're saying it. There's various text effects. I liked that. I just wish it was about 25% faster, 50% faster even. Be nice. There are actually points at which I was too slow for the game and it went out like when I had to make a choice, like during like a battle sequence, which I guess we'll talk about later. Like if you take too long, it will just move on without you. And that happened to me like a couple times. So Same. I think, so I think, uh, le slow a le not le pew after all. <laughs> well, the thing no, is, I, I loved, uh, like, oh, I took too long to decide and, uh, something bad oh, happened. Me too. I, I, I hate it because it didn't give me any time to decide. And there's no indication that it's happening. There's yes. no, it just happens. It's not like, oh, I, you know, I, I was here literally like a second and just started. It said, oh, no, you're, you're moving on. Uh, I think there might be emulation issues with this game still to this day. So, like, depending on which emulator you used, you'd have like different time windows during which you can make decisions. Cause I always had like 10 to 15 seconds for any choice. Oh, I had some of them cut off in like three or four. Yeah, yeah. it was like instant for me. What your emulation speed is set at? I played with uh, SNES 9X, and like the very, very first choice that I was I was forced to make, I was too busy marveling at like the a visual parallel between this game and something in Chrono Cross, and I like ran out of time. It was like ten seconds, but after that, like I just made every choice as quickly as I could, so I never ran into any problems. When we do get to Trono Cross, we will have to talk about how uh, uh, Trono Cross does have kind of a soft remake of this as uh, the first big dungeon in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I need to finish that game. Like, I really, I only played it for like five hours or something. Didn't get there very far in it. Okay, so this game has a lot of music. This game has about 35 minutes of music according to the video that compiles it as an OST. Um, I thought it had a very specific... It sounded like Chrono Trigger. I mean, it, it not in the compositions. It doesn't reuse any compositions that I was aware of. Um, it, every track from this game shows up in Chrono Cross. Every does time. it really? Yeah, all, all of them. All of them. Uh, it, it was uh, it was kind of fascinating to uh, like experience these like Super Nintendo fied versions of the Chrono Cross soundtrack. The <laughs> rules. <laughs> oh, I feel like I missed a lot having not played Chrono Cross, which is weird because this game was before Chrono Cross. Okay, so these are compositions that would later get reused. That's very interesting. 
This was Yasunori Mitsuda's second soundtrack after Chrono Trigger, I think. Yeah, he like was a one of the three composers for Chrono Trigger or something. The most notable, I think. Yeah. Chrono Trigger was the genesis of the the Mitsuda link, uh, the Mitsuda lick, which is something I recently found out about. I'll dig up the tweet and put it in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it it has a very distinct sound to it. Like, there's not a lot of games that sound like Chrono Trigger, and this is one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like the music. I like the musical cues. Um, it changes a lot based on the situation and where you're at. There's a lot of ambient just sounds, which is nice. It's never just text. It's always something going on, which I appreciated. I could uh, do without the uh, the Griffin like screamer though. Although it was kind of cool too, I guess. I didn't. I might have had the game muted at that point. <laughs> Wait, or, or, or is it like because? Uh, God, I don't, this is a weird one because it's a visual novel, so there aren't that many graphics, and there isn't much sound, and it all kind of goes together in a way. I guess other games wouldn't, right? We're kind of just gonna have to go all over. We're gonna have to skip from subject to subject, aren't we? Topic to topic. I feel like I feel like vanity and investigation are gonna get real. The the water is gonna get really muddy here. Yeah, this is very true because the none of the mechanics made it from this game to Chrono Cross, but much of the uh, except for the reading a lot. <laughs> that's fair, um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah, so there's there's a lot of weird crossover here, which I think is interesting. So um, uh, is- crossover, I get. Uh, <laughs> I get it. It's a good joke that I made. <laughs> I personally think that the graphics in this game are gorgeous. Yeah, I think they look great. Um, there's a lot of really cool shit going on in this game. One it's thing, rare use of mode seven was especially impressive. I think. Yeah, I really like a lot of the like effects that show up during battles to make it feel like more is going on, kind of. Oh yeah, it's very nice. It's very nice. I mean, and also it has a dinosaur in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not like the spirit of all dinosaurs that have ever existed in it. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, when you think of time, you think of you know the Earth and the sky, and maybe. Half a dozen ghostly T Rexes flying and shimmering and waving. It's <laughs> Can I give a hot take? Give it to us. Uh, I'm glad it doesn't look like Chrono Trigger. Oh, me too. Same. Oh, dang. Ouch. <laughs> I, I personally think Chrono Trigger looks great, but it would not have fit with this game even a little bit. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean,. First of all, the sprites are too small, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's fair. This this game is very atmospheric. It's it's all about sneaking into a castle and going into a dungeon at night, and um, the backgrounds are all black, um, with very exactly one exception. Um, but so you have like black background and like graphics sitting on top of that. Then you have like really dark scenes and things like that. Um, so it all feels very atmospheric to me in a way that I was really impressed with, especially when they broke the quote unquote rules, like the aforementioned mode seven section, which is like this, what they call it, the demon circle. It looks very like SMT, like 
fucking <clears throat> pentagrams and symbols and spinning and big lights and shit. Not something that has shown up anywhere else in the game. I was impressed by that. As an encounter, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. They did a really good job, to me at least, of uh, making that feel like what it was supposed to be, I guess. Yeah, like it felt very dangerous. And even though that section doesn't force you to make decisions quickly, it felt like I needed to. <laughs> Actually, you know what? This game, there's a moment that just kind of undercuts any, everything in the game. And that's when you see someone's fucking face and it looks like, you know, Camelot presents Radical Dreamers Golf. <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, anytime they had a face rendering, it just looks like uh, some Canadian anime. Oh, God, yeah. Riddell showing up with Excuse the hideous. <laughs> Are you saying something about my face? <laughs> Are you an anime? No, not about you. It's a Canadian anime. I, I don't mean real animes like you. I mean uh, Canadian animation done in the style of anime. Badly. I never got far enough in this game to see a face. Except for the face of a goblin and a poltergeist and some cat eyes. The the goblins look good. The goblins are scary. The goblins look amazing. The goblins are so stout. Like they look so, they look so threatening because they're not small. And they're so they're super tall too. They're six feet tall or so. They're they're as tall as Magil, um, according to the text, which I love. <laughs> so these I, are big fuckers. I sort of really appreciate how like like thin that disguise is. So, yeah, okay. The Riddell is hideous. Fucking <laughs> really bad. But everything else is really nice. She's beautiful in her own way, okay? <laughs> okay, she's beautiful in her own way. <laughs> she might look a little bit too much like Princess Peach, but, you know. <laughs> Camelot Presents Radical Dreamers Golf was so on the nose that oh, yeah. if you're, you don't even have to look at a screenshot. If you're listening to this, just imagine a princess. In a Camelot golf she game. looks like she looks like uh, one of those uh, like horrible face masks that people can wear that has like anime features, but the rest of their body is uh, completely realistic. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's weird. You, you it would is... see her on clips for sale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, what else, I guess, is there about Vanity? I don't know. It feels like a very atmospheric game. We should talk about near the ending uh, where suddenly you're presented with a full screen picture of all the planets and some birds and also dinosaurs. That really blew me away at the time. <laughs> I like here. I found a high def picture of uh, Riddell. <laughs> it's just a person with an anime mask on. <laughs> I'm leaving the podcast forever. I thought 
It was fun to put the lipstick on the mouth of truth. Oh, <laughs> that was fun. Oh, I didn't even try that. I should have tried that. I was too option. like, I was too eager to get to uh, the end that uh, I I just did the obvious right choice. I as a as a true games player, I didn't know what the obvious right choice was. I apparently went through the beginning part of this game backwards, which is like. I don't know, it was kind of entertaining. Yeah, there's definitely, like, it's open enough that you can do things in a very odd order. Um, and it plans on that, which we'll kind of talk about, too. Um, but yeah, I, like, it's weird. I like putting the lipstick on. I, huh? I love yeah, me too. <laughs> it was really good. There's lots of little pointless scenes in this game, which I think is really where the 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 most interesting parts of it lie like it is not a mechanically interesting game but it is a very i mean to me but it is there are lots of scenes that just don't add anything except more text which is good it's very nice i feel like that's something that this game uh like the like this game and chrono cross share in their attitude is that like instead of like doing justice to like a like a plot, like like serving a plot. The plot is serving like the, uh, you know, the delivering of delicious like audiovisual like spectacle. I th- I think, and I and I kind of prefer that approach. You know, like this game is no, this game is like legitimately gorgeous. Like I I loved looking at everything that it had to offer me. I feel like. I feel like that was the point and the the story of it was just the 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 you know the glue holding it all together like the the thread in between each like very very pretty picture that it was giving me this game would go like i feel like this game would go like i didn't finish it but i feel like this game would go basically anywhere to show me something cool I think I sort of agree with that but um at least for me with chrono cross there's just so much sort of stuff uh, that it doesn't feel like it has enough glue to hold it together. Like, the, you know, there's all those characters in Chrono Cross, whereas here you get three characters, and that's it more or less. And so anything that happens, you get some sort of insight into the characters to some extent. And the fact that it's so small that it's just one one little dungeon sort of that feels as if it's maybe part of a larger, uh, could be part of a larger game, which I guess it sort of eventually did become, uh, meant that there isn't as much glue that's needed to hold it together yeah like chrono cross is like the i think like maybe the only fault that i can see with chrono cross like or the one that like sticks out of my mind is that it's like too big for its britches right it like wants to do too much um but this game like the structure of it is simple enough that like okay like the game is about like you uh you break into a mansion and you try to steal a thing and right now in the stream chat, I'm looking at like a scene where there's just like the earth, like the whole earth. And then there's uh, then there's a moon and then there's a dinosaur and a bunch <laughs> of pterodactyls. And then there's Jupiter and then there's some clouds and uh, losing all sense of reality and presence. And I mean, like, I don't know, like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's definitely... I, I, I loved how over-the-top the ending was after such a low-key adventure up to that point. 
Yeah, this this game is is really small and then suddenly explodes at the end. Like it's it it's really the the restraint that it took <laughs> to not really spill the beans on most of this until the very end where it's just like here are all the things. Um, and then also here are six alternate endings, by the way, that most of which are kind of goofy. Um, is th- there's a lot of restraint here, which I appreciate, oh. and it does feel like a character study. I like it. Oh, I, I, I thought it was a mess. I thought it was a mess. You saw like, people <laughs> showing up at the end. Like, who, oh, it's that goblin from the clock tower, and they're going to show up and save everyone. I didn't do fucking shit. It's like, and it's just like, let's get to this later, actually. But um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think the thing about this game is it's not the only Super Famicom game like this. It This is like post Night of the Sickle Weasel by Toonsoft, which was a big, big hit, which I think, I don't know if this is actually the case, but I know back in the day, people used to say it was the first visual novel. And that that's like a murder mystery, like where you go and you're in, um, you go with, of course, your incredibly hot girlfriend. I think on the first screen, like they start, like the, the main character starts like talking about her measurements because that's what you have to do in these games. You have to talk about how stacked every girl you see is, and <laughs> or how they're lacking in some way. And uh, oh, that's in this game too. That's another great thing about Radical. Yeah, Dream. I had that thought out loud. I was like, "Oh, measurements? Why?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um. The, the they the, Sir, Sergey has quite a few thoughts and opinions about um kids uh, assets or lack thereof it's really gross um but but night, night of the sickle weasel is very much like this game it's like the same deal it's better because it's actually got you know uh, a plot sergey also has some interesting thoughts about the proper place for women in society oh i didn't see that oh no i, I might have missed that I uh, it's in one of the that. alternate endings. Oh no! I will say this game is is sort of. I just posted the screen cap. I I <laughs> I definitely like I like. It took ten minutes of playing this to think like, oh yeah, this game is definitely sexist. But like, I also kind of you know as a as a you know died in the wall lesbian, I was like, kind of like entertained by like playing like re- like a reading a take of a story through the eyes of someone who very very clearly has a crush on the main character and it's yeah. just like paying attention to every little fucking dripping detail of like everything that she does some of it is like it's very creepy like it's very very creepy like nobody has that kind of attention span but like parts of it were kind of like very like parts of that like uh like framing were very sweet like oh she's being nice to me (laughs) i liked uh i liked anytime uh you would do anything that uh uh annoyed her or embarrassed her like when i told her to read the book full of pornographic text uh she just uh body checks you and i got a game over once from that i love how slappy she is she's very she like punched me in the gut so hard i fainted it feels this feels like a gundam game (laughs) that that night of the sickle weasel which what a name um really does look like that what your screenshots I'll have to play Night of the Sickle Weasel now. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's 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 not good. Um, 
There's no. Oh. There's. There, I mean, like I, I, I tend to. I want to like visual novels a lot more than I do. And I spent years thinking it's got to be the good one, right? It's Chunsoft. Everyone loves it. Famitsu probably gave it a forty out of forty, right? It's got to be at least as good as four twenty eight. But uh, it's you know, like it sets the tone, like just like yeah, her bodacious ass is going right down the bunny slope, and we're going go right into that log. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm probably being really unfair to it, but um, it's translated by Jeremy Blostein. Remember him? He did a. Uh, no. He did the Konami games. He did Silent Hill or Metal Gear or some shit. There's an iOS version. It's called um, Banshee's Last Cry. There's a... I remember there's some character who's kind of like J.R. Ewing. Or maybe he's kind of like um, Hank Hill's boss. You know, Strickland. Whatever his name is. Yeah, there's just a cowboy in the game. Maybe he also makes some comments about your girlfriend. I don't know. I don't remember. It's not. It's actually not as good looking as this game. Like it's, it, it actually seems like a whole game... That was just like, hey, let's make a game and take photographs of a ski lodge and write it off as like, you know, game development. <laughs> and uh, it's got a vibe. It's got all this stuff. And it's totally unrelated to this. I'm sorry about this tangent. But this is very much inspired by that. This is totally like, you know, hey, we got this probably we got this Satellaview budget. Let's just, you know, try and make a Chrono Trigger sequel, which I, maybe I... we got to get to that later. I don't know. But. I had no idea that this existed, so like, thank you. Yeah, this is this is very this is fascinating. So very interesting. There's um, also a, a Game Center CX version episode of it, and it's in English. And I would probably watch that rather than play the game. It's probably it's way shorter and it's probably more fun. Uh, <laughs> one thing, uh, whenever we get to uh, Gone, I will want to talk about how I don't think this game is uh, a visual novel exactly. And oh, I, oh, we're gonna be in agreement on that. Yeah, and I honestly think we're we're there, unless anybody has anything else to say about, I guess, the vanity of this game. I think this is pretty. I think it's great that they included so many extra graphics uh, for the optional joke alternate endings that you get after beating the main scenario. Yeah, I was looking at that, and like, they don't really reuse much, or like, I don't know how much they reuse, but you were showing some pretty wild shit. <laughs> you and, uh, and Close were both showing some pretty wild weird crap <laughs> okay so i think we're ready to move on to our next topic which as always is gun we've kind of talked about it a bit but mechanically this game is, is a little bit odd um in my mind it's essentially a visual novel plus dungeon crawler with random encounters that are solvable, <laughs> which is a very strange. Um, that's the best I got. This is a JRPG. Oh, uh, I, I, I believe that this is just a classic example of uh, a choose-your-own-adventure gamebook, like an Ian Livingstone uh, death trap dungeon kind of thing. Hell yeah. The combat is basically the same it, it they're solvable encounters but they still have random result randomized results we should mention that there are encounters in this game yeah there's a four five different kinds of random encounters uh that you uh 
face off against some sort of monster every like 10 or 20 minutes uh, while you wander around uh, this huge uh, castle. And uh, the random encounters are handled the same way as the rest of the game, as uh, choose your own adventure, choose your options from uh, several text options. What were you saying closed? Oh yeah, th just that they weren't uh, necessarily solvable. They weren't just like a choose your own adventure thing where you just pick the correct option and you're okay. There was some element of randomness to it where sometimes you'd pick something and it'd be okay and sometimes it wouldn't. Um, I was also kind of curious what encounters people ran into. I'm not certain entirely all the time what was random and what was like scripted. I know there's at least a couple of situations where I like ran into a pack of goblins that had sort of unique text and unique uh, sort of interactions. And that only happened to me once. Um, right, like the last encounter of before the very end of the game, I ran into a ghost and that had never happened before. Um, I'm just kind of curious. What oh, I like. never encountered a ghost. So that's definitely random. Oh, I, encountered I encountered the ghost. I encountered the ghost three times and I didn't finish the game. I encountered the ghost uh, so many times. I ran to so many random encounters. It's not 10, 20 minutes. It, it, by the end of the game, I was getting them like every two or three screens. Maybe it's another emulator issue. I don't know, but it was ridiculous. And yeah, I was, I was getting a lot. And the ghost, the ghost one is bad because the ghost one, like, you know, Serge gets hit on the head and he like starts talking about like, Hey, don't you think like kids ankles are too thick? And it's like, what the fuck? And the way you, then you're, you're given like, actually, I'm going to go find this screenshot. Give me a second. About the weird one where like that one was interesting to me because there wasn't really anything for, for Serge to do exactly. It was like play decoy while, uh, uh, Magil like reg incants a spell. Most of the encounters uh, involve you doing something and then Magil uh, just solving the encounter for you. Like <laughs> Magil is clearly the uh, the 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 fighter here. He is the answer to every encounter, and you're just a participant. He he actually disappeared from several of the encounters I had. Like, it was just me and Kid fighting against uh, skeletons or whatever. And then he got owned by another skeleton. Like, he looked at the skeleton's eyes and could not uh, move or talk, so I had to do all of the fighting myself. See, I didn't, I didn't see that at all. It happened to me, and there was also once where I fought a skeleton, and, uh, like, I body-checked it, and it fell apart, but then it came back together and pitched its head at me. And then, like, I was able to pitch the head back, and I was curious whether I don't know if anyone ran into that, but I wouldn't. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I ran got into that, that one too. Yeah, uh, I got that, that one rules. Because when uh, I kicked the skeleton apart, so I had two encounters with a skeleton. One time, I fucked up and it attacked me, and Maggle fucking blew up his head with lightning, but it hit me too. And then the other time, I kicked this. The Maggle got fucking stupid and stared in the skeleton's eyes and I kicked the skeleton in in the middle of its chest and uh well Serge did I guess and then it just immediately died like this the skull shattered so it seems like the random encounters have more paths than I thought I thought because in my experience picking the same answer always led to the same result um and so I thought there were correct answers but that's interesting that it sounds like there were not correct answers all the time, or at least they had different outcomes sometimes. There are optimal answers, but uh, the optimal answers still carry a risk with them. Yeah, like like um, like I saw like a fair amount of repeated text in this game, just like exploring. So I figured like, oh, like the the, the battles must be deterministic too. But like, you know, listening to y'all talk about 
um, how the encounters went for you. Like a lot of this stuff is like completely new to me. Tigress and I had a discussion about this earlier because she couldn't make it tonight. But, um, you know, she was complaining about the, the, the incredible high encounter rate and also the fact that the game does not actually do anything to indicate that it's an RPG. Like I thought I, I went through this whole game thinking you probably can't die, right? Because like they keep talking about how I'm, I'm hurting or I'm this or I'm that, but then it'll drop a potion and I'll be fine. Like there were numerous things where numerous moments where I was getting healed, but there was like, there, there's no menu. There's no hit points. There's no experience. There's no gear. The outcomes to the battle. That's why I liked it. There's, yeah. Same. Know, oh, well, I'm glad you didn't have dozens of random encounters because you took the wrong turn, um, you know, trying to get back to the catacombs. It is so incredibly tedious. It is such bullshit. Like, like Tigris said, you know, oh, I thought I thought I could get stuck in an unwinnable state. I could, you know, have all this stuff go wrong. I'm like, well, I thought you couldn't even lose because, like, nothing I did seemed to matter. All the text is so repetitive. It's just, like, the same thing over and over. Like, I... I think i squashed a skeleton skull about six times through i caught it i stomped on it at the end like that was the one that was always consistent the others were just like and also the results of the battles like the first one i had was i think i don't know i don't know if it was a goblin i, I stabbed something and i i you know i got all gung-ho and i cut something to shreds and afterwards kid was talking about how i'm i suck shit and i'm not enough of a man i got to be tougher and it's like i did the whole fight myself <laughs> before before we move on before we move on to the next um uh uh topic or the next like metric i i want to talk about like my ex- like my ex- general experience of how the battles in this game went for me like i want to vibe for a bit if you'll let me do that yeah, for sure. I think like now is definitely the. T- I just want to say, Bachelor, that encounter rate does sound way higher than what I experienced. But I also, even with only maybe a total of fifteen encounters throughout the entire game, uh, found them to be tedious because they're repetitive after a while, and the stats are hidden, and so you just get the same text after every battle of like, "Oh, I'm feeling bad," or "Oh, I'm doing okay," or whatever. Um, yeah, like all of the information that you would get in a stand, and I think that this game is like more a JRPG than it lets on. Like all of your information about, uh, like what your health is at, like all the numbers are hidden. Everything is communicated through text. I think there's only so, one number, which is health. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm pretty sure. Number? No, there's there's at least two number. There's at least two numbers. It's like it's like your 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 health, and then also like how much kid respects you. Oh yes, there's the kid yeah. respects you. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's kid health and meter. kids horniness meter. <laughs> yeah, but the, so you can I'm... affect kids horniness meter outside of battle. Like honestly, like if if the if I had if the encounter rate was as like harsh as like Bachelor is describing, then I would have been fed up with it too. Because like the battles kind of they really interrupt the whole flow of like what you're doing they take a long time right they like completely like take your attention away from like the 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 plot and like the exploration and everything that you're doing um they nothing uh, nothing mechanical is really indicated to you like they're they're going for this like really organic thing but like i think like if you run into encounters that often then it becomes very clear 
that their 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 mechanics there are like numbers working behind the scenes and if there are numbers working behind the scenes but you can't access them when they're happening that often then like that's a source of like friction that is like kind of unforgivable what? so like i think like i think like if i was experiencing like there must be some kind of emulation stuff because like if i was experiencing that kind of encounter rate then i probably would have like turned the fucking game off yeah, I definitely think it's some kind of emulation issue. I th- uh, based on uh, what Bachelor described it as is like, uh, oh, uh, doing the entire battle yourself and then still getting told uh, that uh, uh, you suck. That kind of indicates to me that the game operates on an internal clock, and if that internal clock is emulated incorrectly, you will get way too many uh, wandering monsters, and uh, you will not have enough time to make choices. Well, maybe, but it, it was also like the first battle in the game. It was like right at the start, and I hadn't fast-forwarded or anything like that, so like I was making a the, real the, effort not to fast-forward. The first battle is scripted, isn't it? Yeah, the first battle is completely scripted. Maybe... Yeah, kid definitely dunks on you after the first battle, no matter how well you do. Which is always something that drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, She she was nice to me when I did the first battle. No, that's the thing. On one screen, she praised me, and the next, she said I sucked. Which is, like, the number one thing you can do in one of these games to turn me off when you have, like, some sort of, you know, conflicting text that just seems like, you know, I got got both... um, you know, I got the the bit from uh, root A and root B right next to each other, and they contradict each other. It drives me nuts, and I, that's what happened to me right at the start of the game. Yeah, there was one thing. There was one moment where I uh, I blew up the mouth of truth. I stuck a bomb in its mouth, and then kid like went and stuck another bomb in its mouth, and then she was like, "Light the match!" And then we blew the mouth of truth up, and then we continued. Then then after that, I put a nail file into the mouth of truth, and it was like totally <laughs> normal. Yeah. There's no real continuity in, in a lot of spaces, which I think, yeah, sort of. Okay, so I my take on the battles is that the game would have been better with you only encountering each monster once. And I think you could have randomized that, but only encounter each monster once because each encounter is not interesting the second or third time other than to try and optimize it. And that's not an interesting game. Yeah, <laughs> like, I never ran into the leeches. Did someone mention running into leeches? I think that's just a... Like a new game plus thing. You know? No, uh, I ran into the leech encounter about three times during my playthrough of oh, really? just the main scenario. See, this is why I say like this game is like much more a JRPG than it than it seems to be because like that is one of the like ma- like random encounters of this uh, audacity is like one of the major like JRPG tropes and like I think it was a. I think it was a bad choice. I think it was an interesting choice, but I think it was a bad one. I suspect that there's actually a system in this game where which enemies you encounter depends on how you have done in all of the battles up to this point. I what? believe that, because you do get feedback after every battle from Kid, like the Kid respecting meter. Well, like, the first few encounters I had were, like, goblins and skeletons, and then those stopped happening, and I started getting leeches and skeletons only, and eventually it ended up with uh, me fighting griffins in the random encounters I had. I thought that was just depending on where you were at, though, because it seemed like when I was in the first part, when I was underground, I ran into skeletons. When I was through the uh, 
piranha room. That's where I was finding griffins. And then goblins were on like the main floor. And I think the only time I ran into a ghost was on the main floor near the ballroom. Um, oh, I, I, I met my uh, griffins in the ballroom. That's I never, I never met a griffin. Uh, I only ran into ghosts above ground. Um, when I went downstairs, I ran into skeletons. I never ran into a goblin until the first scripted goblin encounter in the treasure room. Did anyone uh, run into the? Because it was a really cute encounter, but it was with a holy shit wielding goblins. What wielding goblins? Sorry, sorry, like morning stars. Oh yeah, there's a scripted encounter in the gold in the treasure room, but then there's an unscripted encounter that I I got later with them yeah. too. That and it had like a bunch of unique dialogue where like at the end of it, like a uh, kid gave like Serge like a kiss on the cheek. It was really cute. Oh, that is cute. See, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it does feel like a failed experiment, but not completely failed because it's stuff like that. Like as we're talking about this, I'm realizing how much variety there was. Um, oh my God, we're going to have to get into these screenshots. I feel, <laughs> I'm realizing how much variety there was. I'm actually wondering if, this game does or a get, series. Be prepared for a, <laughs> a, a capital C conversation. Yeah, there's. Um, I think there's a. I, I wonder if this game does a bunch of roles in the beginning of the game that set up the rest of the game. So it's like, okay, griffins are going to be here and ghosts are going to be there because our experiences all seem internally consistent but not consistent with each other, which is interesting. Uh, the the roles are. Definitely completely random. Uh, I tested this out with some save states uh, uh, right before we started the podcast. Uh, I think this game just has like an internal timer and it does a wandering monster roll every like uh, X amount of seconds. Or and whatever. it's a Teleview game, so it's based on what you downloaded and it had a clock. Was, there, was this one of those games that had a clock on the screen? No, this is so a lot of so Teleview games, just for background for folks who aren't familiar had a bunch of weird different things so like there there was a zelda game that was released sort of episodically but you could only play it for an hour um and it was timed with a radio broadcast it's just wild stuff should, this, should we explain what the satellaview is yeah it, basically my understanding of it is that you could download games from nintendo onto a cartridge and then play them that was essentially it but they had a lot of different special features so um the there was the timing stuff there was a live radio broadcast stuff there was episodic games that came out like once a week and they would broadcast them because it was a satellite you couldn't just log on and download whatever was available at any time it was like a tv show you had to download it when it was available and then some of them would expire this one is very standard issue as far as what we would consider modern wise so when you download it as far as as far as i can tell you just have it it just works and, it, and then you can just play it. So I don't think this was running on any special timers. I mean, it could be like internally, but it's not necessarily related to Satellaview. Um, this is pretty much just a ROM um, with no, no special features that I, that I am aware of. From what I understand, the ROM itself was released uh, afterwards online. Uh, and uh, there may be differences from the original Satellaview release, but I'll have to investigate that. That is interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. I w- <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 part of the reason it's not a well-known game is is because it was released in this download-only format, and in a way, we're lucky that somebody downloaded it and then never overwrote it with another game. 
because that's the fate of no a number of Teleview games is that there are no existing copies of them because they were just overwritten on anybody's cartridge who cares. So you have to find a cartridge that was never overwritten. And as time goes on, uh, though, that becomes less likely as A, you find more cartridges and B, more cartridges are destroyed by time or otherwise. So it's very interesting. The only uh, SNES peripheral like this that we ever got in the West was the PlayStation 1. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, okay, so I think mechanically we can agree that maybe randomized battles were a mistake. This game is also interestingly navigational. There's a map. Um, you navigate... This sort of frustrated me, but uh, in a way it makes sense. Is there a viewable map? No. Okay. <laughs> I drew a map. Yeah, I yeah. drew a map too. That's good. No, what I mean is... I it, also drew a map. I, I looked up a map. I um, love all of you. <laughs> I cheated. <laughs> um, so one of the interesting things about this game is it doesn't present you with go north, go east, go south, go west. It presents you with ahead of you is this, to your right is that. So it means that when you're navigating it forwards or backwards or in different configurations, you get different text. So it's like when you're going down the hallway this way, the door is on your right. When you're going down the hallway that way, the door is on your left. It, it's nice. It's a nice touch. For me, it was confusing because I was just having a hard time navigating it. So I, I appreciate I appreciate simulating a lack of sense of direction. However, it does. Uh, when you've been to a place, it will mark it the next time you're nearby. So like... Uh, it will tell you, like, we're going towards the study or we're going to Riddell's room. To the left yeah. is the yeah. ballroom, forward is the, I forget what room is next to the ballroom, but it'll say, like, forward is the ballroom, to the left is the stairs, down to the catacombs, that kind of thing, if you've been to both places. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't draw a map. Normally I would. I was very not, I did not feel like I was in this space. I did not like navigating it. I found it, it just, it just irritated me beyond a certain point. Eventually, I did go and look up a um, a map, and that did make things easier. But it was like you know that's that's when the random battles really started kicking in for me, because I think I was at the, like you know I was nearing the end game and it just like became ridiculous. Like I even knew where I was going and just started being like, oh now I got to fight the ghost again. Oh I got to do this again, and um, re going over these spaces again and again is exhausting because you have to wait for this text to scroll. Gotta decide where you're going, and it's not—it's not Zork, is what I'm saying. It's yeah, the test Zork. should have been it. If the test was instant, it would have been fine. Uh, I actually would say that if the test was instant, I would compare this to something like Zork. It has so many of the qualities I liked about Zork, besides uh, not actually having like an open parser or whatever. But uh, it had. It felt a lot like a classic D&D dungeon crawl to me in the way that uh, there were all of these little micro puzzles and uh, connected encounters across uh, disparate rooms. There was this like there was this pattern that this game has that like kind of confused me and kind of irked me when I when I when I when I figured it out is that like the first time you enter a room, they give you choices about like what you can investigate or whatever. And I figured those are like one, those are one offs because if you try to go back to that room before you like quote unquote have to go back to it, uh, it will be like, like kid will be like, why are we wasting our fucking time here? We have things to do. And then you just like turn around and leave. Right. So if you want to go back and investigate a room before you have to go there to like grab a key or something, 
like it won't let you right and and that, that that kind of annoyed me especially when i found out that i would have to go back to rooms that i had already been in in order to like move the move the story along because the game's communicating to me that like you can go into a room once and then that's it but sometimes it doesn't like uh did anyone run into the did anyone go back to the like mirror spirit room yeah like yep. five times yeah, yeah yeah i went there i went there like four times Get the yeah, yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah, that was really cool to me. It's very inconsistent. I it. It, you know, just like the rules are inconsistent, and I find that irritating. Because like, I don't, yeah. I don't agree that the rules were inconsistent. Uh, I, I did not get a sense that uh, uh, the rooms were implied to be one-off rooms. I just want to mention right now that I did not know that this text adventure would be so divisive. <laughs> I just gonna say, I think it's interesting because I think we're kind of talking about the finer points of this, which is I I, I appreciate that kind of discussion. <laughs> but yeah, I also was a bit confused by the fact that when I went to because I went into the mirror room like four or five times, you got all sorts of different dialogue. It was awesome. I went into Riddell's room every time I passed it, and there was nothing. There was nothing until Riddell was there. <laughs> so it was like, okay, well, I don't know. It is inconsistent. In on the one hand, I appreciate that. It was inconsistent because it meant that I was surprised when it did happen. On the other hand, I wasted a lot of time going into the same rooms over and over uh, with nothing to happen. Does the game answer like what she's doing initially, like where she, when she's not in her room? Because the first time you go in there, at least for me, uh, like it was an empty room and like the window was open, like she'd gone out the window. Right. The first time I went in there, the window was not open, and the second time I went in there, the window was. Same. That was the same experience I had. Which with a little strange. leaf, with a little leaf blowing, yeah. So I'm just curious if she like went out the window to do some some business. <laughs> she went. She went. She went to go pee. She just pissing out the window. Really, she went. She went you know, to stand on the ledge and piss in the hedges. <laughs> you'll notice that in the Snake Manor there are no uh, toilets. <laughs> um. <laughs> so okay, I think we we've kind of covered this game. I feel like we've covered it mechanically. It is, it is, I don't, I feel like mechanics is where it falls down the hardest. Um, but there are some creep, did we I, talk about the creepy bits of the story or we were not there yet? I was away. <laughs> uh, not yet. Uh, I see, I 100% disagree. I think this game is mechanically pretty solid. Me too. Like, uh, I, I know all of you had very different experiences from what I experienced playing the game, but, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I have a lot of fondness for uh, dungeon crawls and uh, dungeon exploration games, and this is an unusual example of something I would never expect to uh, nail the tone of what feels like a D&D adventure to me so readily. I mean, I, I love text adventure games, and I just found exploring this place tedious. I'm, like, to be fair, I had fast forward on 99% yeah. of the time because the text speed is atrocious. That is the biggest flaw, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was trying to play this honestly, which is my new thing. If I'm going to try and get into the vibe and try and appreciate like the atmosphere, because I do think that's important in games like this. And just seeing the same text scroll. And also, I think actually having graphics is a big detriment 
or at least in the segments when you're going down hallways and stuff. I think it like for me it made it harder or maybe less interested in memorizing the castle or whatever the heck this is, the mansion. Like I, I just didn't I none of it stuck with me. None of it mattered. I kept forgetting, you know, like it, it, it's interesting just seeing like how having that text forced upon me every time I re-enter a room made me tune out while just seeing it once I would have memorized it and I would go, okay, now I know where this is and I know where that is. And I'm going to have to come, you know, I go from, you know, the catacombs to the kitchen or whatever. Like I would have known it if that text hadn't popped every time. Once it does goes right out my one in one, in one eye out the other, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it, I, it totally I, breaks the immersion when you see repeated text like that. It did it. It did it. For, it did like this game did it for me a couple times. Like I, I like ended up forgiving it, but like, like the, the I think the criticism is like, like yeah, th- that's totally legit. I do. Th- the part of the reason I I chose to just use fast forward all the time is because as this is a game in translation, the translators obviously chose the text speeds themselves. Like, there's no oh. way this is the same. Let's lower the pew. That's yeah. a good point though, because Japanese is so much more compact that the text slow text speed would be much faster anyway see now we gotta find a japanese video but i actually did think like like i'm someone who gets super antsy with slow scrolling text and games like i will just drop stuff at this point if it, it does not let me advance and it's really it, it's not it's not the worst like there's if the, so much of the text didn't repeat itself i totally could have rolled with this you know the fastest text speed and just lost myself in it but just seeing so much show up again and again, and then combining with random battles and just, you know, and every random battle having the same text, essentially, unless you get a different role that just gives you a different result that you have no, you know, no clue how it actually happened. It's not great. Also, you know, I, actually, here's another thing. Endings. I think this counts as mechanics. This game does a terrible job of indicating that it branches and how it branches. Like, there, there is nothing here, like, aside from maybe having an awareness that Chrono Trigger had multiple endings that would have indicated to me that I should play it again. Well, like a screen that shows one of seven endings. Yeah, the game just straight up shows you that uh, after you beat it, you can get other endings. It just shows a number. It, does, it just has a number like Le Pew Fini. It doesn't say what they are. And, that, like, and at that point, yeah, it I does. Would, I didn't get. I did. I, I got to the credits and I literally turned my phone off and went upstairs and ate dinner and then recorded the podcast. So I didn't actually see the ending of this. I didn't see any of the endings. You're welcome. Mine is just a black screen. One kid, le trésor interdit. I can't read French. Sorry, I got named French class. Le trésor interdit. Yeah, and it's got a check mark next to it, which could mean it. I don't know. And then I'm going to be fumbling through trying to figure out the exact point where it branches, what decisions I make. Like, it's one of those things that I don't want some sort of Bioware fucking, you know, renegade paragon or some sort of indicator of how things split. But I do think... um, I mean, the alternate scenarios are essentially like you get a new game plus and you're given a new choice right at the start of the game and then uh, you discover these different endings just by wandering around uh, in the new set of options you're given they're not like they're not part of the main scenario is a linear scenario it's just a linear dungeon yeah and i i I found the ending so underwhelming i had no desire to go back and play more of it but uh maybe that's the next section i don't know (laughs) no i think i i 
I think that this kind of goes to show that this is not a huge, okay, I don't know. I'm not speaking from actual knowledge. This doesn't feel like a huge budget polished super duper game. It feels like something that's almost off the cuff, except for the visual production values are really high. It doesn't feel like something that was worked on forever to be this perfect polished little gem like I feel Chrono Trigger is. So I think that, yeah, like we all had fairly different experiences with this. And I think part of that might have come down to emulation issues a little bit. But I think a lot of it came down to how this isn't really a polished product. <laughs> and even in interviews later, when they talk about re-releasing it, uh, the guy who wrote it or somebody who wrote it anyway, basically said, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to re-release this without re revamping it, re-editing the entire thing. Like that's the reason they haven't re-released it is because the quality is not high enough. <laughs> I think that's fair. Oh yeah, I 100% agree that like if this game could have had like a pretty big polished pass and maybe was turned into a full PlayStation era JRPG, it would be really cool. It might have not. It might have gotten a 10 out of 10 from Gamespot. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like they could like give it a big prologue and a and like an entire second half of the game that justifies the big twist ending of this game, that would be cool. What are you saying, Glozed? I was kind of curious to go back and like look at the other endings and how whether there's any sort of weird references to them, because I get, like, I, I guess I just posted that in chat, but like I got the, the sunflower scenario, and that involves like a golden beetle and a, and a magic sunflower, which is also the, one of the two stories you can tell to the, the weird learned goblin Oh yeah, and uh with uh if you tell the golden beetle story to the goblin, kid will uh punch you in the gut and probably kill you because she punches really hard. I love it. That kind of stuff it. is just really interesting and odd to me how there's this weird kind of lateral references that don't necessarily have anything to do with each other, but that are like sort of mysterious. I think, like, I think this is a good pivot into investigation to kind of like. I go ahead. You must interrupt. There's a lot. There's a lot to. There's a lot to pick at with, um, with the way with, with the way this game is structured. Like, obviously, like I only experienced like you know like two hours of it. I didn't even finish it, so I don't know how like uh, valid my my view is. But like, I want to like vibe on like what it felt like to like play a couple encounters in this game just to like just because i feel because they feel like very intense to me they they felt really intense to me they felt very um um intimate to me you know like part of that is because like surge is like really horny um (laughs) but like okay so the the very first encounter in the game which is scripted, and you you run up against a bunch of like big cats, right? Uh, and you know the 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 owner of Viper Manor is like Lynx, right? Uh, Lynx is a cat, you know. So this is like thematic. And like when I saw the eyes, like uh, the, the the pictures of like a bunch of like cat eyes, like poking out of a forest, like that's like a direct, uh, like there's a direct visual reference to this in Chrono Cross, like right near the start of the game. It's like a actually like a major major plot point. So as I was like. So this is the first battle in the game. And then like, as I was like sitting here marveling at this and being like, Hmm, I wonder what up, like 
wow like this is the first this is the first signal that i've gotten like because i know these two games are connected but like this is the, this is one of the first signals i've gotten besides the music that like uh chrono cross is like like basically a remake of this um and then like as i was waiting kid just like interrupted me before i made my choice and was just like what are you doing what are you waiting for and then she went and did some shit she like need she need a cat in the face and it died and then i felt <laughs> bad you know and then it's like oh shit like i have to do stuff like th- there's actually some like urgency to this text adventure which was like a surprise to me because i was expecting like you know a leisurely stroll you know uh and then the second thing i found out was that uh serge or sergey or whatever is uh feckless and very very ineffective uh and 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 you're not very good at anything uh every time i tried to attack something uh i i failed uh i i just ended up being rescued by maggle probably and and then kid would chide me for being rescued by maggle so like i felt i felt very small you know like i felt like the least important member of this trio right but you know i'm the i'm the one who's in control uh so like and then you run into other encounters and i'm like okay so like i feel very ineffective so like i feel like the best thing i can do is like either be a decoy or just like fucking hide behind maggle i think like when you when you encounter the ghost like one of the the like the top option is hide behind maggle so i did that and it didn't go great like it did not go great um it, it turns out that like no matter what you do during the ghost encounter basically the same thing happens as far as i can tell like you get frozen by the ghost and then Megal throws like some like some megas daggers at it and and it dies and then kid is like you're an idiot but then after that See? after no after that like like let me let me let me get to the finish right like after that you're like after every encounter there's a scene where you're it's telling you how wounded you are by like giving you a scene in which you're like either bandaging up your wounds right or marveling at how much better you're getting at fighting right and then and then after that kid will be like you need to fight like a man or you're getting better at fighting like a man and like after having seen it a couple times like i saw how this was like a mechan like a mechanical communication but like at the very beginning like the game seemed to be working very hard to um like make me feel very weak right and i did it only through text and it felt real so i kind of like reacted to it like i like i played that role i played like as of like okay like i gotta get out of the way like that's the best thing i can do and then kid is like um she's like when are you gonna learn to fight like a man or whatever and i'm like I don't want you to not like me. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight now. And then I started stabbing. Then then I started stabbing goblins. And then she started to like me, and that felt good. You know, like there's something about the way that this game handles encounters that made me. It made me more emotional than like an ATB battle in like a Final Fantasy game. Definitely, right? Like the structure of these 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 encounters are basically the same. You're picking you're picking choices from a menu and seeing what happens and then reacting to what happens but like every choice that you make has so many consequences it has such detailed consequences and it tells you so much about the characters that you're with 
Like the encounters actually like for the first little bit, like the first three encounters that I had before I realized that they were going to repeat, they were very rich to me. Like it, 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 it enhanced the experience. Like the, the fact that they were text-based, it, it made it, it made it feel so much more alive and made it feel so much more human, you know? So I think there's like there's like a lot of flaws in the way that this game handles like the random encounters and the way it handles its like JRPG tropes, its choose your own adventure tropes. But I think there's also like a nugget of like okay, genius would be too like uh too big a word for it. But like I think I think there's some really it, good things going on here. It's doing something really really cool and special and like i don't generally feel things when i play a jrpg encounter right mostly what i feel is like how do i how do i solve it and these encounters are solvable but like they 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 were character pieces just as much as anything else is in the game and i think that's something that's like really really awesome about it that's my spiel that's my spiel I like to spiel. I think I, I felt that at first and then I just got annoyed with that. That was my thing. So, <laughs> but I appreciate that perspective a lot. <laughs> I didn't play it long enough to be annoyed by it, I guess. And like, like when I noticed that that's, that's what was going on. Like when I started to see text being repeated, I was like, well, they tried. I still feel like, like Serge or Sergei is, um, very, very, very clumsy as a person. Right. And like having that communicated. To me, like, oh, like the 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 vessel that I'm playing as is uh is is not going to do everything I tell it to perfectly, right? Like that really, really, really like brought me into the world like a lot more than any of like the other parts of this game did. Yeah, he's a bit of a like doofus, really. Like I think, <laughs> like even if you're like, what's I with that hat? What was it? Oh yeah, his weird hat. But uh, the highest. Like, I guess, kid liking you text is just, like, the two of them staring awkwardly at each other and then, like, Serge looking away. Uh, he does say something. He says, uh, huh? that's it. <laughs> No, like, that, that, that's another interesting thing is that, like, uh, like what became most, most important to me, um, like, doing the battles was not winning the battles, but getting kid to like me more. Yeah, that that broke for me in the first battle, <laughs> and so that's why I just stopped caring immediately after that, which sucks. Also, the battles are incredibly violent. Like, oh my god, yes, they are talking about how they're slicing people open and crushing skulls. It's it, it it's it's I mean, it's, it's like oh yeah, all, when every time you slice open a mushroom in Chrono Trigger, there's probably just gore going everywhere there's spores filling the air it's probably nasty as hell that stuff probably stinks you don't there's... think about that when you see those little chibi sprites but when you're in this game it's something but yeah and then sergey just down that hot blood went you know blah, blah, blah. <laughs> there's so much there's so many bones disintegrating and so much bleeding from wrists in this game that it makes me like slightly uncomfortable I really liked how violent it was because JRPG combat is like this very sanitized version of violence. But my thought as you were saying this is that this game is to a standard JRPG as Command and Conquer Renegade. It was to Command and Conquer where it's like, yeah, now you're down in the field. I hope you like getting run over by an, 
a fucking ore truck dipshit. Hope he's like getting smashed by a tank. Like it's it's not. Gee, what have you been doing this quarantine? <laughs> this was years ago. Come on. Um, <laughs> but okay, okay. That's really. I, I really like that observation. That it's this sort of weird. Um, fantasy gray area where it's not quite like your sort of sanitized kind of chrono trigger hit enemies until they disappear or poof but you're not quite into like final fantasy tactics or like matsuna stuff where it's like oh man this guy's bleeding out he's not going to make it it's right, there's, there's... kind of like dark a little bit you know there's like sort of a i guess we're back to aesthetics but like there's sort of like a feeling of decay in a lot of the game I will say I was afraid of dying a lot because I because HP is is hidden and so I'm just relying on the text to tell me what's going on and I don't know what any, if it means I'm close to death or if I'm close you know like what's going on um, and I will say yes the text is extremely about disintegrating people and goblins <laughs> um, and it's wild it's, it, it indicates that it's, it's not easy to kill something no even in successes you get smacked around like a lot and I think that that's it's that that was my favorite part of the battles was how visceral they were um because that is often and and reasonably so glossed over like if final fantasy tactics is is the mechanical side of this where it's like all your actions are implicated in okay you're bleeding now you're on fire you know or like you know rogue stuff where your stats are decreased there's mechanical implications of violence this is textual implication you know text of violence there's no implication there's just text of violence it's mechanically simpler than a jrpg but the text is so much more complex and very violent (laughs) but i would like to i i was going back to aesthetics again but it it is kind of like interesting that to some extent, most of the plot of the game is sort of in the past. Like a lot of the stuff you're interacting with is like things that have happened a long time ago and you're sort of dealing with it now to some extent. Yeah, like I think that's also... I Let's let's totally dissect the story because I think that'll kind of imply an answer. Can, can we dissect it in investigation? Yep, that's yep, where yep. I'm going. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our next category, which is investigation. And this is where we talk about stuff that's like outside of the game, but also in the game and these weird connections that we're making. It's, it's our catch all category in a lot of ways. So, um, just a quick sort of preface, I, I guess a quick summary of the story. And here are the spoilers, big, big spoilers. Want, 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 play the game. This is a sequel to Chrono Trigger that happened some years after the fact. And basically none of this is revealed to you until the last 10 minutes of the game. There's hints and stuff. So Magil is definitely Magus. Is that how people say that? I've said it, always said it, Magus, uh, from Chrono Trigger. That's super obvious. Um, from, like, basically the first five minutes. <laughs> you know what's up. Uh, Surge is nobody. But Kid is explicitly Shala from Chrono Trigger, uh, who made a final wish somehow, and it was granted, and then she became an infant, and then or, or she was adopted by Luca... And then Link's killed Luca, and now Kid wants revenge. That Chrono Compendium summary is insane, by the way. <laughs> they could have just said that. That's it's 
it's Shala who was reincarnated. Yeah, so Shala was reincarnated because of the... So so the whole point of, of what you're trying to do is get into this mansion, and you're trying to get the frozen flame. The frozen flame ends up being a bit of Lavos from Chrono Trigger that can grant wishes and shit. Also, kid has the Chrono Trigger. There's a lot of shit going on. But anyway, basically, you start out knowing we're going in to try and steal stuff and maybe get revenge on Lynx. And by the end of the game, it's like some weird time-spanning characters from Chrono Trigger coming along, multiple dimensions, shit. <laughs> Which I appreciate, but it is a really weird drop right at the end of the game. After a very restrained, atmospheric game, it's suddenly like, hey, this is also Chrono Trigger. Get it? So, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> are we talking about Chrono Cross, or are we talking about Radical Dreamers? Right? We're talking about I had Radical... to go to the bathroom. <laughs> We're talking about the plot of Radical Dreamers, basically. So, um, I, I, I... Oh, no, wait. They're the same. <laughs> I gave a really bad summary of it. I'm not good at summarizing things, but hopefully that gives you an idea of how weird it is at the very, very end, where everything is suddenly revealed. The interesting thing is that this game has six alternate endings, none of which adhere to the same continuity. Um, so in one of them, Megal is actually a guy named Gilbert who's in love with, uh, what's her face? Um, the princess. Riddell. 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 Uh, and then they go off and get married. And one of them, as, uh, alluded to kid turns into a sunflower and you have to fucking stab her or kiss her one of them there's a space cop wow. i don't know <laughs> stab her or kiss her yeah uh-huh. that's that's a that's a real bio shot choice spare or harvest <laughs> stab or kiss <laughs> there's a there's a third option if you don't do anything she stabs you yeah fumble the the soul stealing knife such that she grabs it and stabs you which it's really funny that the soul stealing knife then made a reappearance in uh, Chrono Cross itself. It feels like a lot of the elements from the uh, alternate endings ended up making their way into Chrono Cross. I feel, or at least I suspected, that investigation was mostly going to revolve around like the parallels or like the the threads between this game and Chrono Cross. Well, before we get to that, I do want to talk about one thing I read on the Wikipedia article for this, uh, where in the development, it talks about how uh, uh, Kato, the the lead writer on uh, Radical Dreamers, kind of made uh, this game as a commentary on how frustrated and miserable he was during Chrono Trigger's development, because apparently it had a lot of crunch. Uh-huh. So the really dark, miserable tone and how uh, Serge is a useless idiot who sucks at everything and how Kid is always uh, bitter about everything was just a reflection of uh, the author's feelings about having to work on Chrono Trigger. Uh-oh. I mean, I think the, the thing that this shares with Chrono Cross and the reason I like enjoy it so much is that it is incredibly frustrating and like a waste of time for people that really like Chrono Trigger. <laughs> there's yeah, there's no connection, right? Like I, I oh God. And I'm like I, I like Chrono Trigger. Okay, here. Here is your like we said it was a sequel, so we're gonna make it a sequel, but get right. Uh, like that that the, the connection is like circumstantial kind of thing. Well the connection is pretty straightforward. Uh Magus at the end of Chrono Trigger, spoiler warning. Uh, said that he would try to uh, find what happened to uh, Shala, who, uh, you know, disappeared at the end of uh, the Zeal Age. And then Radical Dreamers is the answer of him finding Shala again. 
That's it. I don't remember. I don't remember who Shala is. I don't remember any of that shit. I don't know what that has to do with this. I know who they are because people have spent the last 20 years of my goddamn life talking about <laughs> Shala and all the other stuff in Chrono Trigger and how it ties into Chrono Cross. And I know Shala's, but, but I can't tell how it is here. And I'm guessing whoever the fuck wrote this was just bitter at they missed their D&D sessions because that's what this reads like. It reads like some dude, you know, he, he imported his D&D characters into a visual novel and said, oh, yeah, it's a Chrono Trigger sequel. It's like some record of Lodos War shit. I love that. That's that's my favorite thing about it. That it's just that's the best. Yeah, yeah. The bad vibe is so good. Which, which is fine. It's fine. It's like the ending's terrible. I think the ending is just terrible. I think, <laughs> or at least the canon ending. You do nothing. At least I did nothing. Like I tried to save everyone, and I got my ass kicked. And then a bunch of unrelated characters showed up, and there was some magical MacGuffin that was totally un, you know, never addressed until that moment. That just didn't really save the day and nothing really happened. And I think kid just went off on her own. It was, it's a bad ending. It, it's total bad. end. it does not, it's not good. And, you know, I didn't care that much. Cause I didn't really care that much about the characters up until that point. It's fine. It's just like, Oh, this is, this is just really bad writing. <laughs> oh, I definitely think the fourth ending is a lot better, where it's revealed that Module is actually an interdimensional uh, space cop named Mick Van Jovi, uh, <laughs> who uses his electric guitar to stop uh, Lynx, who is actually a uh, Martian octopus. I thought that was great. <laughs> like, if you're not going to play this game, it is worth going to the Chrono... What is it? Chrono the Compendium. Chrono Compendium, my mm-hmm. favorite website on the internet. And just read <laughs> the endings. Selectbutton.com. God damn it. <laughs> just <laughs> read the endings. They're weird. <laughs> I think the Chrono Compendium has way more hardcore um, game criticisms than we do. Like, they wouldn't use the word anime over there as a slur. We do that all the time. <laughs> we're really fucked up. Um, yeah, we're very problematic. I'm sorry about saying the A word so often during this episode, especially. Uh, Comparing it to Canadian A word, <laughs> we I, I forgive like you. This, I, I feel like I this, forgive you. This is the section where Shrug should be reading some of the thoughts, the deep thoughts from Lord J Esquire on the Chrono. What is it? Chrono Trigger Compendium. Chrono, Chrono Compendium. Oh my first, God! They have forums. I had no idea. Yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> okay, I'm See, not going to get into and this. Foremost, <laughs> This is always the crucial starting point when judging a game. You have to look at how Radical Dreamers was directed. And I'd say it was directed spectacularly. Um, <laughs> there's about 3,000 words here that I should probably not read out loud. These pe- people but are the it, worst. But, 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 but I the, feel like Chrono Compendium is like... Go ahead. No, he, 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 the, the, the Lord J. Esquire, whatever their name is, compares it to the works of Zelazny or sci-fi great Heinlein. And the plot was intelligent. It was not <laughs> Oh, it's definitely better than Heinlein and Zelazny. I like Zelazny. Fuck off. <laughs> I can only read so many pages of description of uh, some mermaid's green nipples. Okay, I didn't read that. I don't, I've only read like three things by him. <laughs> Radical Dreamers is slightly less gross than a Heinlein novel. It, it, <laughs> and it, re- it requires more patience than the usual run-of-the-mill RPG, and also requires an open mind. As a text adventure, it is more of an art piece than a run-and-gun video game. Just enjoy it. The atmosphere, the feel, the intricacies of the plot, the music. 
all are arranged for a particular experience. Let it ride. Oh god. See, I just I feel like the only way to really enjoy this game is to just take it as its own thing as a very like uh, lightweight uh, piece of ephemera from 1996 and not like uh an important work yes, or whatever. Yes. I mean it's non-canon is the thing. Like it's been well, officially like disowned. So you can safely look at this game as what it is, which is just a shotgun blast of weird Chrono Trigger-esque shit at the end of a fairly decent D&D game. <laughs> like, that's what it is. I absolutely oh, do not think God. that this is a shotgun blast of fairly weird shit, considering how much of it shows up in the, in the like, actual game. I do like that Chrono Cross is an enhanced remake of, uh, of this. <laughs> also, is- also, Bachelor, like, the next time you hand me a martini, I want you to say, let it ride to me. <laughs> <laughs> but Chrono Cross is... A shotgun blast of weird shit, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. That's oh, why it's so God. good. Yeah. yeah, that's why it's amazing. What were you trying to say? Closed. <laughs> oh, the Chrono Cross like references this game, like directly. I believe. No, it doesn't reference this game. Doesn't it is this game. Yeah. Me, it, it, this this up, game like, is tech- text from this game in Chrono Cross, like as a weird kind of alternate universe thing. At one part, let me look. It there up. is text in this. There's text that is in this game that is in Chrono Cross. There are visual like uh, compositions in this game that are in Chrono Cross. There are uh, characters and plot points and like all sorts of things that are in Chrono Cross. Like literally every piece of music in this game is also in Chrono Cross. Uh, like this game is the boilerplate for Chrono Cross. Chrono Cross is uh, is is like what they wanted to do with this. Which is what makes it more interesting than taking it as a serious work is more like a sketchbook of ideas that would later show up in a finished product. <laughs> yeah, and it was, what I was thinking of is there's a terminal in Chronopolis that has the opening of this game in it. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. This game had such a rep back then. Like, you know, with the God knows how many people who actually, like, you know. The people who were online and cared about RPGs and then was like radical dreamers, you know, had this, you know, m- myth behind it because no one could play it because it was a teleview wasn't in English. And then you just play it and you just see it's just it's fucking nothing, <laughs> which is good, which is the good thing about it. Yeah, that there's that it's like a sequel to Chrono Trigger that doesn't have anything to do or just barely has anything to do with Chrono Trigger and doesn't really affect your opinion of Chrono Trigger and really just like the in my in my opinion the best thing a sequel can do is just absolutely disregard the previous game <laughs> which i mean chrono cross is great i love it yeah and i, I love I, I love chrono trigger i thought chrono cross was great just cuz just shit on everything like what it shows that every spoiler everyone for uh, this 20 year old game it shows that what the entire cast of chrono trigger got murdered and it happened off screen. Like you just see some hologram. And I think you see they all get killed or something. Oh, I fucking They're love that. They yeah. For like making what they did meaningless. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> fucking fascinating that Chrono Cross has a much more like uh, uh, sincere relationship with Radical Dreamers than it does with Chrono uh, Trigger. <laughs> yeah, like, don't you want to yeah, know how this that's... happened? Like who? Who? How did this power play happen? That it's not just like, um, who? Who? Who 
wrote this? Were they like a higher up? Because there's no way they were as big a deal as fucking Toriyama and um, Sakaguchi and Yuji Horii. Someone got to make a sequel to like the three of the biggest people in the Japanese game industry and just shit all over it. They got to make well, so Gears was conceived as a sequel to Chrono Trigger, but when that wasn't going to happen, they had to fill the void somehow. So I suppose Sadokado <laughs> was brought on board uh, to. He he actually wrote Chrono Trigger, like he was the scriptwriter on Chrono Trigger. Yeah, he, he also he also was a writer on Xenogears, and he was the primary writer on Chrono Cross, and he was the writer. On- yeah, but they they have a lot of writers, right? Like, so he he was one of them on the team. So is this just, is this just like killing your father? Is that what this game is? Oh, it 100% is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. No, I agree. Like that any sequel worth its salt complicates the, the original work in some way. Um, and, and this it, is actually textual within the game. This game has an intertextual commentary where the father, uh, links, uh, is killed at the end in part, uh, by uh, Riddell's mysterious allies. Well, he Riddell being the, at the end. Oh, right. He doesn't die at the end. Well, he dies in the good ending, which is uh, where he turns into a Martian octopus. <laughs> he also... Oh, yeah. Um, we didn't mention this earlier, but all the characters look way, way different in this game than they do in Chrono Cross. That's, like, that's the one thing that doesn't carry over. Okay, I have two things to say about that. First of all, every time you actually see, like, you you never really see um kids' face in this game, as far as I can tell. I don't know, because I didn't finish it. So, like, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, like, her, when, whenever you see her, like, her, her hair is a lot blonder, it's a lot whiter, and, like, her color scheme is all off, like... She doesn't look like the way she does in Chrono Cross in this game, but every time you see her shadow, like specifically, I'm talking about like when you walk by the terrace in this game in the in the first part, her her silhouette is a dead ringer for 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 kid in, in Chrono Cross. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, I think I got I didn't. <clears throat> it's been years since I attempted to play Chrono Cross, so it very much read like kid to from Chrono Cross to me, but. Now I'm actually looking it up. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's not tremendously similar. <laughs> yeah. um, no, like Riddell has like purple hair versus the blonde Princess Peach like vibe that she's got yeah. going on in Radical Dreamers. So terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I no, don't I, think it's terrible. Jeez, come on. I'm sorry. I I I, I just can't deal with more Princess Peaches and Princess Daisies in this world. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like, I, I, literally, a second before I saw her face, I was like, I really admire the restraint. I liked how we haven't seen what anyone looks like. And all of a sudden, she just steps out. And I, th- I thought she was going to be, like, eight years old. <laughs> and then, you yeah. know, she just pops and she goes, hi, I'm Renell. The way that the way that Lynx looks compared to how Lynx looks in, in Chrono Cross is, like, That's so funny. <laughs> It's so funny. I I, really I love that he just looks like some kind of weird. He looks like he's getting uh, face tattoos and uh, plastic surgery to look more like a cat instead of actually being like a cat man. Yeah, instead he's of actually being a demi-human. Yeah. He he looks like the yeah exactly. Morph, basically, 
which is really good podcast material if we talk about how his character looks. But he looks mid—he looks like he's getting plastic surgery, or he's midway in an anamorph to being a cat person. <laughs> One thing that I found really interesting about this, and like, I do kind of want to like slide a little bit into like Chrono Cross like connections with this game is like there are a lot of like very very explicit visual parallels, um, especially in the first part uh, of this game, like um, like. You can tell that, like, the, a lot of Chrono Cross took inspiration from this game, if not, like, because it didn't take its, like, entire plot from it, but it took, like, it took spiritual reference from it, right? But, like, the Viper Manor itself looks completely different. Like, it's covered in snow in the, in the, in the last, uh, like, screen cap that you put in the, in the stream chat, and, like, all the, all the rooms in Viper Manor are completely different than 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 they are in in, in Chrono Cross, which is like interesting to me that like the actual architecture is the part that like doesn't fit. Really? Because I feel like at least that big library. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time since I played Chrono Cross. But... There is no library that large. There is no room that large in Viper Manor like that, in Chrono Cross. Somehow that uh, bookshelves with a large window in the back sort of arching over it that seemed that reminded me of something in Chrono Cross in the Viper Manor. The Viper Manor in the Viper Manor in, in Radical Dreamers it's very much described like a snake that has no tail right? Like just like hallways just like uh, disappearing into the darkness right? And just things like constantly circling around each other there are very few uh, circular like um motifs in uh in the viper manor in in chrono cross right like it's like yeah so that room is the exception right and that that room is is a room where like a huge major plot point like you run into a character from chrono trigger in inside of that room that's like one of the big gotchas like gotcha moments in uh in uh not gotcha moments as in like hot girls but like you know gotchas in like Oh, this is a sequel. You thought this wasn't a sequel. Anyway, like the Viper, the Viper Manor of this game doesn't feel the same at all. And I thought of all the things that don't feel the same about this game, the actual setting is like the weirdest thing. You'd like be different. One of the biggest changes between uh, this and Chrono Cross is that Chrono Cross got that like uh, kind of uh, beachy tropical aesthetic that was not a thing in either Chrono Trigger or Radical Dreamers, which is why you see Viper Manor covered in snow in Radical Dreamers. Yeah, uh, is that uh that would not have fit with uh, uh with the sequel at all, which was relocated to an island, like the Hawaiian archipelago kind of thing going on. Yeah. Uh, and like it's it's kind of interesting that there are very minor nods uh, between the games, like the fact that Viper Manor is located in a forest to the north, but in this game, which is sticking much closer to like the Euro fantasy aesthetic of Chrono Cro- of of Chrono Trigger, uh, a northern forest is a decrepit and wintry uh, lo- locale versus uh, the very uh, summary vibe of Chrono Cross. It's strange to me that like um 
Viper Manor in Chrono Cross more directly references like uh what is it, Guardian Castle in uh in Chrono Trigger? Like it visually references that far more than it does this game. Which is interesting to me because it's like like uh like there's so many other like really, really obvious visual parallels uh between this and Radical Dreamers. That like that choice is interesting to me. I do think that one of the things that was conveyed between the two versions of Viper Manor is the use of like uh open arcades instead of uh like uh hallways. Yeah. Between the two games. Like uh both of them kind of relied on an arcade heavy architectural style. In a game like this, like uh in a game like Radical Dreamers to be specific, like it's very hard to communicate like an enormous room because you only have so much screen real estate to work with, right? And there are lots of huge, huge rooms, like huge spaces in the Viper Manor and Chrono Cross, right? So like, I think maybe it was like a pra- like for a practical reason that they, they don't feel the same. I've played Chrono Cross, so I got nothing to add here. <laughs> Other than Chrono I love Cross it. Chrono Cross is amazing. Nicola Play. <laughs> I I realize that arcade generally has the conventional meaning of uh, a place where you play arcade games and not the traditional meaning of a series of arch, arches separated by oh, columns. Oh, arcade is, I think, what you mean. <laughs> no, arcade. It, it's arcade. Okay, got it. Okay, got it, arcade, got it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm being a dick. Um, no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not sure what else to say in investigation. It, there's a lot of weird little links between this and Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. It shits on its own prequel, which is great. Um, Chrono Cross is more like revelatory. That's not the right word, but they, they, they're they more respectful of this game than the first game that most people have played. Um, I think that's fascinating. <laughs> well, yeah. I think we can probably investigate the ways in which this game reflects uh, frustration at a crunch culture before the concept of crunch culture was uh, well known in the video game industry. Uh, like all of those random encounters that are extremely frustrating with built-in timers where you can fail at your action because you took a moment too long to respond... That's clearly indicative of uh, how miserable it is to hit milestones uh, <laughs> while crunching on a game as big and as the way the Chrono kid Trigger. is constantly telling you that you're not doing good enough and then like giving you little breadcrumbs of like, oh, you know, actually, I like you now. And then as soon as you fuck up, it's back to, you know, nose of the grindstone, Surge, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I think Radical Dreamers has as much to say about the modern day games industry as... Uh, any other game we've ever played on this podcast more so than any other game i think what you're saying is radical dreamers has pretty radical politics <laughs> yeah i mean it's all about uh, uh fighting against uh, the hierarchy of a video game uh, industry uh, it's all about uh trying to cut through all the bullshit and get to the ending only to realize that the ending is uh even more bullshit <laughs> It's all about killing your father because your father makes you work too hard. It's all about killing your father because your father made Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh, God. This um, is a better video game with better intertextual commentary than The Last of Us 2. <laughs> and the violence is, is more well rendered. Yep. 
violence and in impactful. this game is violent. <laughs> I do, I do, I do have like at least like a couple things to, okay, like at least one thing to wonder about uh, before we move on because I feel like we're about to move on. Um, yeah, I want to get to so our revelation will be our nice soapbox for us, but please, like, what? what yeah, let, anything else for um, revelation? So, no, like this specific investigation thing, like, like, uh, so I know that. Like there's a Megal, like Megal is Megas. Sorry, it's just true. Uh, but yeah, like, for uh Sergei's design, like he looks so far removed. Like he's the main character, like he's the player character in uh in Chrono Cross. They look nothing alike at all. And there's no there's no visual parallel that I can remember uh, between the the design of Sergei in this game and in Chrono Cross or in Chrono Trigger. So I'm just wondering where that design came from. Like it, it's mystified me since I since I saw like even uh, Sergei's like silhouette. Motherfucker looked like a conehead. Motherfucker looked like he's uh... <laughs> yeah he's wearing like a sauna hat. Yeah, he's he's wearing some Mobius getup. He's very Arzak. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to compare it to. I thought he was going for more of like a bard look with a kind of wide-brimmed wizard hat type thing. Yeah, but what is the deal? Like, uh, like that was like the one, tr- like that was the one thing that I did not expect to be truly original about this game. Like, it's the the main character of Chrono Cross's design being completely different than what it ended up being. They probably uh, changed it because it was stupid. Okay. Oh, fuck! His name's pronounced <laughs> just like Serge Gainsborough. Oh, Serge. Oh. Wow, that really recasts this whole entire game, doesn't it? Sergei. Yeah! You're playing as Jan Serge Gainsbourg. <laughs> so, so, so isn't the character, the main Serge, basically like a fucking cipher? Like, he's nobody. Like, in, the, in, in Chrono Cross. No, 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 that is absolutely not true. He's not, he's not nobody in Chrono Cross, but like in terms of Serge's design, he's like guy with blue hair. Like <laughs> I actually kind of like his fucking Arzak hat more than I, I like his well, design too. in Chrono Cross. And, and he's, he's not wearing a wide-brimmed hat in the, uh, he's just, in the ending, he's putting his hands behind his head. There's a few shots where he looks like he's wearing a wide-brimmed hat, but he's just got like a fucking, like, you know, that skull hasn't fully formed yet. Should we hack Chrono Cross to uh, to bring the original search design? Yes, I think so. I think that's yeah. And design. if we need a character portrait, we can just use this picture of uh, Serge Gainsbourg. <laughs> Imagine how much better this game would be. God, but did, wait, um, who who did, who did the character designs for Chrono Cross? I know I'm we're probably getting way off topic here, but it, it, it's not Toriyama. It's not an artist. No. Steve, Steve, the character designer from Nebraska, Michigan. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Uh- <laughs> Nobuteru Yuki, who did uh, the Dojin version of Man in the High Castle. Oh, weird. Did he work on any other games? Uh, he did the character designs in Blade Arts, Tasugare no Miyako Rilia, Dragon Force 2. Uh, Kaiser Knuckle. Wait, no, he just. Oh, and Ragnarok Online. No, <laughs> also, no, this thing's wrong. It's um, Escaflone, right? Oh. oh, fuck, he's the Escaflone guy? That's awesome. But, but he doesn't have ah. a number. 
He also he also was working under the nom de plume, the man, the high castle. Oh, okay, I misread that. Even weirder. Yeah, I, mean, I read it the same way. That too. is weird. That is he, actually he, weird. he's got interesting credits. Angel Cop. <laughs> Amazing. Oh shit. And Record of Lodos War. And oh, that already came up once. Wow. Anyway, this is where you insert the boots from Record of Lodos War. Wait, is anyone here for the Record of Lodos War stream? The game. Uh, game uh, I need to see that. Okay, you have to see it. Okay. Anyway, let's go on. Oh, he did the character designs in the Weathering Continent, too. <laughs> That's Steve. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, All right. fuck. You can really tell that it was him doing the character designs. Okay. This I wanna, unlocked okay, everything. I have, I have, I have one right. more thing to Last say thing. that's actually it. That's actually about the game. Uh, one interesting contrast that I find uh, between Radical Dreamers and Chrono Cross, which was like the ultimate result of this game, is that Radical Dreamers has like a very, very, very tight scope, and Chrono Cross has like perhaps a like a ludicrously large scope. Like <laughs> yeah, you, as you, in, yeah, as in, like it has such a large scope because like the reason Chrono Cross exists is because they're trying to solve like all the like the the you know the 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 time loop fucking plot holes or whatever, right? Um, but like the way that Radical Dreamers handles it is by focusing on on like one very very small space in like uh, space and time, and then like in Chrono Cross they just like. They, they, the Chrono Cross takes place in like a very small part of the world as it is, but it takes part. It, it, it is also just like way, way, way too big and epic for its bridges, right? And so I think it's really interesting that they went like because these are essentially two takes on the same story. I think, given how much, like, uh, how many like uh, common threads they share. Like I think I think it's interesting that like the the like decently budgeted JRPG ended up being just necessarily so much larger in scope than the visual novel was and yet like I think I kind of like the visual novel just like a tiny tiny bit better right now maybe it's just cuz it's fresh in my mind well, I would say that it's more like nine different takes on the same story, given <laughs> yeah, visual yeah, novel yeah, has yeah, so many yeah, endings. That's true. That's true. Well, that like Chrono Cross is a lot of different endings too, right? But it seems like Chrono Cross seems. I was gonna say it seems more coherent than this, and, and then I realized what I was about to say, and then I didn't want to say it anymore. I actually feel like I understand the plot of Chrono Cross better having played through Radical Dreamer. Yeah, true. Uh, but regarding like the scope of the games, the interesting thing about Chrono Cross is you can actually see the island uh, that it takes place on in Chrono Trigger, and it's like five tiles wide. It's a super tiny island that they just zoomed in on and made an entire game about. Oh, I totally love that. I totally love that. It it has a name in in Chrono Trigger, but you can't go there. That rules. I never caught onto that. Never caught onto that. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about our final category. Revelation.
uh, which is where we just go hog wild on whatever our takes are. Each of us gets a little turn to talk about this game, what it means to us, whatever we want, whatever the hell we want to say about it for a couple of minutes. Uh, so I won't put anyone in the spotlight. Whoever wants to go first, just. I guess raise your hand and then also hit the push to talk button because I can't see your hand. Why are you raising your hand? One of the main things I feel about this game is that this feels like a mixtape uh, of uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. It just feels like something people did in their spare time to, you know, blow off steam. And in that sense, I think it's uh, wonderful. Like, I think anyone who tries to take it seriously or anyone who, like, uh, tries to act like this is a lost legendary game is outrageously misguided. But if taken as, like, what it really is, uh, a small-scale indie game people made in their spare time, then I think there's a lot of uh, experience about the horrors of AAA game development. That was incoherent rambling, I'm sorry. I, I liked this game. Uh, I yeah. don't think it was incoherent. It suits the game. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like it was off the cuff. It feels like it was a little unplanned in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I never planned things. Someone <laughs> else go. Yeah, I don't like to study hard or think more than is needed, and this game made me think more than I wanted to in a game that's all about reading. Yeah, what did I learn from this right? Is that what we're doing? What I learned? Whatever you want to say. You've got I learned, the, that, you've I learned, I learned, that, I learned that kids about a 34B. <laughs> oh, we and, never talked about that. Oh, yeah, this, game, this game, and I, I, it's so weird how this is such a prevalent thing amongst like Japanese adventure games and visual novels that they just suddenly just insert sexual assault or just sexual harassment or just like just disgusting objectification and things are just largely text, and it always blindsides me. And I'm a guy who likes gross stuff, and I'm always just like, whoa, um. And yeah, that's a thing in this game, and I don't know if I would play it if you are sensitive to such things, because there, there's, at least when I played it, there was a healthy amount of it, and, you know, it wasn't good. It, like, it, it, it wasn't like, I'm going to go and stomp off and quit playing this because they fucked up so bad. It's just, oh, that's bad. Like, this just totally spoiled the, the mood that this game had created up until this point. Yeah, it does feel way a out of place uh, every single time it happened which in my playthrough it was only like two or three times that it happened over the course of three hours but I understand it there's a lot more than that that I did not see uh, so I guess it's kind of hard to talk about this outside of talking about like Chrono Trigger and uh, or at least comparing it to Chrono Trigger and I really like how I guess how unpolished and how sort of unvideo game like it is uh, like it it doesn't tell you any numbers it doesn't really explain mechanics the art is all nice but it's all very sort of understated to some extent in a way that isn't sort of clean in the same way that Chrono Trigger's is and I really appreciate that about that. And maybe that's just me being sort of a jaded person who's played a lot of video games, but I like it when I can can sort of investigate a game and not sort of easily deconstruct it. Like the again, because the numbers aren't visible and the way the game works isn't quite visible and it's never quite it always sort of keeps me on my toes in terms of what it's going to do next. 
and I really appreciated that about it. Playing off of what you said, Close, that it's hard to talk about this game without talking about Corona Trigger. <clears throat> I want to talk about this game without talking about Corona Trigger as an object in uh, into itself, unto itself. Um, it is very approachable. It's very much fine. Other than the stuff the Bachelor was talking about, which is, of course, the... Uh, I didn't get the text about sexually assaulting kid, but I certainly got uh, a bit of the, oh, here are her measurements, and I'm staring at, you know, it's a little creepy. Other than that, I found this to be a very approachable, strange little jaunt that felt very much like an indie game with sort of gestures towards being something bigger than that. Uh, as much as I was frustrated by certain parts of it, uh, I also played it on my fucking phone in 20-minute bursts <laughs> with fast-forward, uh, which is, I think, the ideal way to play it. It's a slight little thing that uh, I very much appreciate. It doesn't illuminate anything about Chrono Trigger to me, and I didn't really play Chrono Cross enough to get any like real illumination about that either. So to me, it's just this little object that I appreciate for what it is. A slight visual novel slash JRPG slash dungeon crawler that has some pretty nice graphics, some relatively charming text, and uh, doesn't outstay its welcome. And that's, that's generally what I want from games anymore. Something that charms me, that is novel, and doesn't uh, last any longer than it has to. Uh, and, and stops when it's done. Oh, and also has an ending that doesn't make any sense at all. And is extremely maximalist compared to the rest of the game. I very much appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I would honestly, like, uh, like unless Bachelor said you're kind of sensitive to stuff to, like, you know, I mean, honestly, sexual assault. It's gross. Um, but if you're, I guess, willing to overlook that or if that's not something that bothers you that much, I think it's worth two hours of your time. Just put it on your phone and play it. It's fine. So, yeah, I liked it. And I think it spawned a really or, good Or, you know what? You can, you can also, like, use use a, a walkthrough or a guide or something to avoid th- those things in question because uh, they are not, like, th- they're definitely things that are missable. Mm. Avoidable, and I totally miss them. Like I think they're off the optimal path, essentially. So if you follow the optimal path, you'll you'll be fine. So yeah, I think it's and I think it's an interesting piece of history in terms of how it does relate to the two other objects of Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger. Um, So especially if you're more into that, then I think it's an interesting piece of history. Just don't expect some revelation and some masterpiece. So that's me. I picked this game. I picked this game for a reason. Uh, like Chrono Cross was like a big, big deal to me when I was when I was when I was a young thing. I think I think what this game makes me feel, um, and it's hard. It's really really difficult for me to like uh, like think about this game outside of the context of its siblings, like outside of the context of like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, um, because it like. You know, like, Chrono Trigger was a game that was, like, big enough and popular enough and, and ended up being, like, uh, you know, enough of a landmark to, like, warrant a sequel from a commercial point of view and, like, not just because, like, it was, like, artistically worth it. Um, you know, people want to make money. But then this is what happened. You know, this, like, tiny little, like, this this very niche um, format game on a very niche platform that like never ended up making it outside of Japan. And then like, you know, the game that the game that it inspired, you know, like ended up being 
well, fairly weird. If 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 you ask me, like it ended up being fairly popular, but like it's fairly weird. I think it like I think it speaks to how like even though like Chrono Trigger was this like gigantic deal when it came out and continues to be this like hugely lauded thing to this day, like it's it's very much a product of the heart. There are people who the people who made this, they may not have been able to communicate like kind of the messy things that they were trying to communicate when they were making these things, but they did it anyway because they were allowed to. And I think that's really special. And like, I don't think that I really realized that until I played this thing, which very much feels like an indie game, but very, very much had the backing of a gigantic like AAA games corporation behind it. I really like it. It made me feel a lot more than I expected. Oh, well, no, I kind of went, I kind of went into it expecting to feel a lot. So, like, maybe that colors my like impression of it a bit. But like, like I was expecting it to like contextualize a lot of things uh, because, like, I played Chrono Cross when I was like very young, and Chrono Cross is like, I don't know, this probably is like a conversation for outside of a podcast, but Chrono Cross had to do with like my very nascent like trans feelings when I was like very very young. Um, but like this game is very much a product of the heart and not of like a budget or like of the intellect. And I, I really, really, really appreciate it for that. It has a lot of problems, but it also just feels really, um, I don't want to be dramatic by saying it feels really human to play, but it like, it feels really it does feel very intimate to me. If it like this, my entire time with this game felt really, really super intimate. And maybe that's a product of like my history with like the rest of the series, but like sandwiched between this like game that is like this huge, gigantic smash hit that everybody talks about. And everybody talks about being the best RPG, JRPG of all time. And this other thing that is very weird and nobody understands uh, right in between. is this like little visual novel that like, I spent two hours with and like, like felt very much like having a conversation with the people who made it. So that's my take on it. I feel like radical dreamers is a radical dream of the future or something. (laughs) 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 I like, I like the point of it being a human game, which is the thing I keep saying about Sonic adventure. Nobody listens to me, but that's a whole nother podcast. You're wrong. You're 100% wrong. Sonic Adventure rocks. Sonic Adventure rocks. It's got Big the Cat. It's got Chow. Big the Cat's the only good fucking yeah. thing about any no, Sonic game. No. Well, I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry. God, you're just hanging on the edge of tomorrow. Oh, aren't you? Alright, so that's it. We're all edging up tonight. Oh, God. That's it for this podcast. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I can't believe I said Sonic Adventure. Um, Which I do love. Alright. Hey, everybody, where could people find you if they want more of you? (laughs) And thank you, everybody, for bringing your um, opinions and insight into this. I really appreciate these uh, these podcasts, as always. And I think this was a really good showcase of our our various opinions on this. So um, but yeah, we're just going to do the boring social media bits now. (laughs) So tell me where people can find you. And we're just going to go alphabetically again. (laughs) I am Mara, a.k.a. No Code. 
you can find me on Twitter at funeral selfie or at terminal underscore stare. Sometimes I stream on Twitch at almost underscore cry. Uh, right now I'm playing Xenogears and we love Xenogears. It's uh, it's erotic and competitive. Uh, so you can find me there if you really want to. I don't know why you would. But uh, yeah, th- 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 thanks for listening to my bullshit. Oh, I'm Bachelor. You can find me at bachelorsoft.com, twitter.com slash bachelorsoft. Um, other things that are at bachelorsoft, including OnlyFans. Have, have I complained about everyone else being hip to OnlyFans lately? God, it just feels like it was just yesterday where I, I mentioned it and no one knew what it was now. Ever since uh, things got locked down, everyone's talked about OnlyFans this, OnlyFans that. Um, I'm making a game. It's called DDD to Natural Playboys. It's very good. It's going to be finished someday. It's way longer than Chrono uh, Chrono Dreamers or whatever this is called. It's got way more words and way better art. And uh, I promise, I promise if you make a hard moral choice, I will not you know, give you a thumbs up on one screen and a thumbs down on the next, it's going to be consistent. It's going to respect you. It's going to act like it's real. Can I find out uh, the measurements of any characters? Or... No. Okay, no. good. So Unless you pay me. Radical dreamers. It's not horny at all. It's not horny at all. Oh. Uh, can I subscribe to your OnlyFans to find out the measurements of uh, all your characters? I want to you... know the measurements of that monkey that you sent to jail. You can you can PayPal me at least twenty dollars, and I'll tell you all that. Even the ring size. Yeah. yeah. Even the shoe size. Oh no, that's forty bucks. Especially the ring size. D- depends what ring you want to know. <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, I'm closed. You can find me basically nowhere on the. You can find me here. That's it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tulpa. I play Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Dungeon Master on a podcast called No Rangers Allowed. You can find it anywhere podcasts are devoured. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter as Memorius Tulpa, and you can find me on Select Button, just like all the rest of these bozos. <laughs> I've, I miss this podcast. I'm so happy to be back here. Thank you for hosting. And thank you, Tigers, for editing this one. Although she couldn't appear, uh, she will be doing the behind the scenes stuff. This is uh, officially season three of Exploration as we make that that change. I'm not editing anymore because I, A, never do it and B, don't particularly like doing it. So thank you very much, Tigers, for getting us back on the air by talking to me about that. I am Vasilkania. You can find me on Twitter at Vasilkania, though I don't really tweet. Um, you can find me on the select button.net forums at Vasilcania, as Vasilcania. There's no ats. I guess there's whatever. Um, where I do post less than I used to, but quite a bit, really. It's, it's my main form of socialization. Um, so that's me. Uh, but here's the part where I tell you what you can do to help us as a podcast. Uh, if you like this podcast, spread the word. We're back on a monthly schedule, so there's going to be 12 a year, baby. Uh, that's 24 hours of content a year, probably. Uh, so you could tell 
the leeches that congeal into a demon in your bathroom, or you could tell your long lost sister from another age, or you just tweet about us. Um, the only way people find out about us is through word of mouth because I'm not advertising this. God, spending money, no. Uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes is probably good. I hear that on every other podcast I listen to, so I also say it. If you want to buy a mattress, I'm sure I could get you a code for that too. Um, we have a website. You could find it at snes.club. Uh, it has links to Twitter feeds for like the podcast and for everybody else. There's also short bios. You can go to the Twitter feed at Snexploration to vote on our next game. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and if you want us to read anything out on the podcast, literally nobody ever has emailed me at SNES at SNES.club. So fucking do it. If you get a bounce back. <laughs> then tweet at me because I just realized I may not have set that up properly. Uh, you can tell us what you think about the podcast at large and give us a review for the next game we're playing or this game. I don't care. Just I'll read anything. I'm desperate. Uh, and as always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the select button.net forums. We love you. Um, next time, we'll, we're going to do one of the these three games. So go to the at Snexploration Twitter feed to vote on one of these three games. And those three games are dot, 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 dot. Here we go. Micro Machines 2 Turbo Tournament. Don't go for that one. (laughs) Cosmo Gang hyphen the puzzle. (gasps) Oh my. Which was apparently redone and re-released as Pack Attack. So, I don't know. And then... Pack, 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 attack. <laughs> and super professional baseball. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> what? Super professional baseball. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. Which, I so hope which... it simulates all the weird baseball players. <laughs> it's, to, to disappoint you, it was released in, the, in North America as Super Bases Loaded. So it's a, it's a normal game. <laughs> but, it, it, no, it, it's not normal because it's baseball. So we can spend two hours just talking about how weird baseball players are. Oh, God, yeah. So just, those, <laughs> those are the three games. They'll be up on our Twitter feed uh, when this episode is released. So please vote. We'll play one of those. Uh, other than that. Uh, what do we normally do? Until next time, it's not Zork 5? What's the one with with all the graphics? (laughs) That one. Zork Grand Inquisitor? Yeah, that one. Sure. Zork Zero? Oh, God, I don't know. There's like five uh, Zorks that have graphics. There were only three that did not have graphics. Fuck me. Okay, fine. Zork (laughs) 4. It's It's not Ian. It's not Ian Livingstone's Death Trap Dungeon, an interactive video adventure. It's not adventure. It's not Chrono Trigger. It's not a Mind Forever Voyaging. It's not a Roberta Williams joint. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Stein's Semicolon Gate. Or it's, it's, it's not it. Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. It's not uh, Trinity, a serious interactive fiction. It's not Cosmo Gang shit, apparently. It's not Project Dream, the SNES prototype for Banjo-Kazooie. What the fuck is Cosmo Gang? It's...
<laughs> There's a whole series. It was started it's as not, a redemption thing. It's not Sorcery Parts 1 and 2 released on Steam, based on the game books by Steven Jackson. It's not canon. <laughs> and, and as always, it's not Chuck Rock. Thank you, as always, to Schnabubula for his incredible track, playing Super Mario World while taking mushrooms. Also, thanks to our regular guest, Bachelor, for the incredible art that we have now. Go check out uh, Bachelor Soft on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>